G'day guys, uh, Kerry here. Um, just myself at the moment. We'll see if any of the ads pop in, uh, but we'll just give everyone a couple of minutes to get notified and to jump on here. Um, hope we're having a good evening. I would pick a lot of you are looking or we'll be back in level two now. So maybe relieved that I believe the kids will be back at school if that's the case. I have a uh, another, I don't know, week, two weeks forever in a day in uh, level four up here in Auckland at the moment. So still can't get out and shoot, which is kind of painful to be honest, but you know, it's how it is. Yeah. I don't know, Carl lockdown bed. I, um, yeah, you might've seen the video. I lock, I, um, it's a bit longer than a lockdown in a couple of weeks. So I can't say I could grow this in a couple of weeks. Um, if you haven't seen the video over on the bloke, I actually, in the first lockdown, I shaved my beard that used to be down here off and um, realized quickly I have no chin and that's why I have a beard. So um, decided to grow it back, um, encouraged by my two children who were like, dad, just grow your beard back. And I don't know, it grows on you. I'm used to it. I um, What is interesting, one of the genuine reasons I got rid of it last time is that it was starting to get hooked up into the um, adjustment um, screws and stuff on chassis rigs. So you'd sit your face down onto it and all this gets hooked up into the actual chassis and you pull away and you're pulling away your beard. Um, genuine, genuine issue. I was having a lot because I was spending a fair bit of time with my face on the side of a gun. So um, yeah, I don't know whether I grow it back down there or not. It's it's not hard. You just don't shave. And um, recently, a little previous job for a while, um, it hasn't really mattered if I've had a beard or not. So that's all good. So yeah, like I said, I hope you guys are having a, a good time. If you've been in uh, lockdown, I hope you've got something done for those guys lucky enough to have farmland or something where they can shoot out of the back, you lucky bastards. But I've basically been doing dry fire, um, looking out the over the balcony down into the neighborhood. Um, top tip is make sure you're sitting back from the windows. Don't sit in the windows behind a rifle. That's probably a good way to get the um, police called on you. But where I am, we're pretty much higher than anybody else. So I can actually overlook the entire area kind of tucked down between some chairs and everything and have some good dry fire practice and, you know, work on literally I can range dial dry fire range dial range, you know, and just um, practice some basic transitioning and stuff like that. It's not the same as the real thing. Uh, this week, um, hey Tony, um, this week uh, was um, a good week um, on Monday. If uh, well, actually, I did it over the weekend um, and then released it on Monday, I think. I did an interview with uh, Dan from Hardy Rifle. So if you haven't seen that, um, pop onto the website. Um, if you're uh, subscribed to the podcast, it would have turned up already. Um, if not, um, pop onto the site and you can listen to it there or subscribe to the website because it makes for some good listening. Um, uh -huh, we're going to be joined by Graham shortly. Let's just rename, I'll just do some renaming. Um, so the other thing that happened for me, uh, this week, which just kind of rubbed uh, salt into the wound of not actually being able to shoot is my new KRG chassis turned up. So um, I had a Whiskey 3. It's been on order for a little while, and it's um, essentially, if you're familiar with the KRG chassis, it's the competition, uh, but I got the boys to essentially pull two chassis to bits and rebuild one um, as a left-handed version for me. He's not got pants on. 
yeah, fair enough. So shouldn't be surprised as long as long as you're aware we're live. So don't just go like wobbling stuff around or anything. You're just going to scare people. Okay, I'm just moving stuff around. So yeah, so um, yeah, so that chassis turned up. Uh, the little girl helped me disassemble my Remington and reassemble it into the chassis and set it all up. So that's been good. Um, the ergonomics are what I remember of the last one I shot, which is why I kind of grabbed it. And now just hankering to go out and shoot the damn thing. So I was just saying, new new toys turn up when I'm locked down and can't shoot them is is a little bit of a pain, Graham. I've just been in the shed putting a toy together. Oh. <laughs> I lost yeah, track of time. <laughs> well, are you actually are you level two? Are you back at work now? I've been back since level three. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Much to my disappointment. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was hoping to get uh, confined to the farm for another couple of weeks, but it didn't happen. Oh, you love. So, what's the toy? Can you talk about it, or is it a secret secret project? Or uh, no, I just I talked a while ago about doing a sort of. Uh, crossover um rifle oh yeah yep so just a sort of sub sub 10 um 12 pound 10 12 pound um sort of comp hunting gun yep and in 6.5 by 55 was the most requested cartridge mm-hmm. so i've managed to bludge a few things a few people and um put something together yep uh, yeah so that's just slowly i might even shoot it tomorrow yep there day. you go Oh, look at this. Let's re- rename him as well. I know he's already done cool, beautiful work. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know. In theory, in theory, it could be at level three on Tuesday. I don't know. Who knows at this point in time? It'd be good. It'd be nice. I've got a few projects. I've got lots of people still contacting me going, hey, we'd like you to set up a rifle. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to as well. Um, can't do it off the balcony. That's probably going to be an issue. So it's all right. Good evening, Dirk. How are you? Hi, Dirk. Hey. Hello, Dirk. How are you guys going? Good, bro. Very good. Um, uh, hello to Blair. He's tuning in as a viewer. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's been that. Like I said, interview with Dan. Going to write an article. Uh, we'll plan is to catch up with Dan again um, to actually talk about the um, the hybrid and the Project X. We kind of Project talked a lot X. about Project X. <laughs> I found out about um, Project X about a wee while ago, and I was sworn yeah. to secrecy by someone <laughs> who, who I believe who had <laughs> they had it in their possession and weren't to tell me or show me. Being that you know, big time, B grade social media influencer. Oh, of course, but they showed me regardless. But it was pretty cool. But yeah, um, I kept my mouth shut anyway. Um, about that. Although I did hear that um, for a top secret project, they had about thirty or forty ordered, but no one was oh. meant to know about it. Oh man, uh, can I get a project next? And they're like, no one's meant to know about this. There's, there's nothing. Yeah, there's there's quite. We'll send you an invoice. Yeah, build some excitement <laughs> up about a top secret project. No one can. We'll just, yeah, we'll still take the order though. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe so, cool. so, so on face value, or, or, or you guys obviously know what the high level specs are of it. But I haven't looked at it. What is the Project X? Is it like a? It's a fixed barrel hybrid with okay. the Remington seven hundred. With the Remington, footprint. yes, yep. Is is and the current hybrid is that a Remington seven hundred footprint or not? No, oh, proprietary. Not. It's, it's, own thing. proprietary. 
Yeah. Yep. Oh, so does it accept like Remington 7-0 triggers and so on? I think uh, it might I've take all the triggers. Project X, I think maybe. Because that's always my main concern. I believe the hybrid takes a trigger tick, so I don't see why it wouldn't be a rim. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I don't. I, could, I couldn't confirm that. But but it's its own proprietary footprint, so you need to run the the hybrid. Um, I've only shot them limited, to be honest. But you got to take the hybrid stock, which is more of a hunting lightweight yeah. stocks, and because mm. of the popularity of match based shooting, um, and I, I imagine not wanting to put massive dollars into a one-off chassis that, you know, isn't going to sell 50,000 units. It's going to sell like a thousand. Um, hence yeah. the Remington project. I'm literally making this up. I no, no, I that's my understanding as well. Yeah. Although I'll, uh, again, I'll tell you what, I, I know someone I can ask who can give me an answer next week. So, yeah. or this yeah. weekend anyway. But yeah, it seems a similar thing that way. And also I think they had a bit of a few guys going, hey, we really like the hybrid, but we're never going to use a swap barrel system. Um, although apparently what's happened also a few people looked at the Project X and then looked at the hybrid and went, I'll get the hybrid anyway. But mm. like you say, for somebody who wants a comp gun or chassis gun, well, I I still really like, because um, it's Ken's stock basically on there, which I, is an awesome stock. It's got one of the nicest palm swells and trigger presentation, everything anyway. Yeah, um, I had one actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, so, very nice. Uh, it's a lovely stock, but yeah, not a comp stock. But I, I can see for hunting, I'd actually be I'd be fine with the thing. I was very tempted, like you were saying, a crossover, do a crossover kind of rig based on one of those. Mm. But so, yeah, I remember Ian um, having to he was sort of trying to add weight to his just for the mm. um, comp stuff, being that it was just a bit like, albeit probably more balanced because he had a rather large truck axle barrel on there and then a lightweight stock yeah. which can give you some trouble so so it's cool I've again the one I've seen I had, I didn't shoot it it was a 300 PRC so it was a long action and um and a KRG whiskey funnily enough um which makes sense for them uh nice it was cool it seemed like I mean this was one of the pre-production models but it seemed like it will be a good gun I again haven't shot it but looked nice yep. you know <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll yeah, I was um Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I'll just, I've got to give, I've told um, Dan, I'm going to give him a fair bit of sick on the next interview as well about being left handed and not actually, you know, putting out left handed rifles. But, you know, we understand the reasoning. I'll still get we'll help on that. <laughs> I imagine we'll see plenty of them in the upcoming comps, though. The, um, yeah. Uh, the X's. Yeah. I, I actually know we will. I'm talking to someone tonight. So, um, yes, maybe we'll. I'll bludge some photos anyway when I do soon. And then yeah, some interesting new calibers too that aren't 6mm or 6.5 for competition. Oh, really? Mm. A little bit of 2.2 flavour. Yeah. So that, that's an interesting one, the 2.2 flavour, because I – so I've never played with a, any 22 or 2.2.3 or, or let's say 22 whatever you want to call it, yeah. 20 dashes or 22 crease. I've never played with them mm. um, for, for competition. Um and I was listening, it was quite a while ago, I was listening to um, Frank, Frank Gelly. Um, and and he was talking about the the six mils almost for a lot of people, they go down to 22 and then they come back up to six mil again because of that 
uh, a lot of people sh- um, struggle to either on target see see your impact, mm-hmm. um, and and when you go off target, you can't make your corrections because you struggle to see see any splash. Mm-hmm. And I think in New Zealand especially, because we've got most of the time uh, the terrain's pretty wet or <clears throat> it's grassy and so on. You don't have a lot of dust. Um, I would love to shoot a twenty-two, like a twenty-two something weird. A twenty-two, I don't know, dash or something, twenty-two BR maybe, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think uh, we won't be able to see enough splash actually. Maybe the yeah. mid-range ones, mid-range matches like uh, Toronto might be cool for twenty-two. Yeah, I think I think that's the idea. Sorry, I got sent something stupid. I'm trying not to laugh. Um, that's that's why I thought it was Dirk's knee. I thought no, it's worse. It's worse. Okay, anyway, I've got one of these um, low couches. No, something <laughs> else. Um, it's unrelated. No, okay. so I think I think the idea is from the people I've been talking to. Very good shooters, also those medium range matches yeah. for the yeah. for the twenty two um, cal stuff. Uh, I, I guess depending like Tarada probably wouldn't be so bad a Hatiti wouldn't be so bad but like Haotapu uh, there's so much uh, odd scrubby grass it'd be very hard to spot like I shot a 2-3 on day 2 um, scored about 400 times more points than I did with my 6-5 funnily enough um, but if I couldn't like if I mug it, bug it up my wind call, 90% of my shots, I couldn't see where they landed unless it happened to be on a patch of dirt. Like mm. that, that sort of, it's like long stringy seedy grass um, in the central areas. And it's, it's yeah. Whereas, I mean, Tarada in November is just going to be sort of chewed down spring grass. That might be six inches long, but you should see something. But like, so mm. I guess it'd be match. It'd be maybe match specific uh, where you'd run it. If you, yeah. if you had that yeah. option. Um, yeah. the, the plus side is even Another less recoil. Now, now field shooting is even getting even more specialised that we're going to have the different event guns for it, which, hey, it's just that's the... That's why you that's why you have a switch barrel gun, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's just swap barrel. So, but um, it's... Yeah, I, I, it'd be cool. I, I, again, 2 to 3 was real fun, but again, you had to have your, 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 your wind hat on, so to speak. And this is yeah. fast twist 2 to 3, not 55s. Um, mm. But Tarada could be a huge option. It's only a medium range event. And um, again, there's, there's no scrub. It's a sheep farm. So um, we'll see. We'll find out at Tarada, I guess, if it uh, all goes ahead. Yeah. Well, good. So did you get any... Actually, no, you haven't got the. I've got. I've got your bag of goodies here for your Dylan stall because we're not Ooh, getting exciting. courier pick. We're not getting courier pickers at the moment. Um, yeah, how annoying is that? I went to post some stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, well, the post shop's not open. <laughs> yeah, well, it is now. But well, I'm technically a business, but at the same time, I'm a work from home business, so it's kind of yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to wait. Maybe I need to almost send myself something with the appropriate courier company and then wait for him to turn up and just go, hey. Take these. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey. Hey. Hey, on your funny, way back. <laughs> funny I'm standing here at the door with a box of stuff for you. But yeah, that's all right. But they're, they're there. But, um, you know, I got I finally got that article done for you, Graham. There you go. Yeah, it's good. I quite enjoyed it. Um, tips, and, tips and tricks. So, um. I'm trying to remember because I did do it progressively. I'm trying to remember where the biggest difference was because I did have a concentricity um, gauge there and I was kind of measuring stuff as I went through every step. But 
like so many things, and we're going to talk probably about another subject that where I've done a similar thing, is you kind of get it to a point where you're good, and then I my brain tends to go, sweet, tucks it away, don't need to worry about it. That's why I need to write shit down, because I, I go back and refer to some of my old articles sometimes to go, what the hell was I doing then? Oh, that's right, that's what that, that figure was or something like that. But um, I can't remember where, I think it was a combination of, you know, the getting rid of the wobble out of the 550 was a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you don't even need the kit for that. I think often people just slam it together and lock it down and don't worry because if you're loading nine mil pistol off it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What does it matter? But yeah, if you want something a bit concentric, so but yeah, also I want concentric and also I want to have con- concentricity between heads too because I want to have several heads for different cartridges. You know, so yeah, bit of, bit of playing around to do. I'm not. I'm definitely not rushing into it. To, no, um, I, no, I would I, imagine. I, sorry, Dick, go. I thought you uh, bought a zero press, um, uh, Graham. I'm being encouraged by a lot of people. <laughs> Trouble is, by the time they get to New Zealand, they're about two thousand dollars. Um, oh my goodness! But they are pretty cool. It looked good for my Instagram photos. Like I'll still shoot shitty, but like fuck, look at my press man. That cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are neat, and, and I could really because I run three single stages um, for various reasons: one decapping, one doing most. Of the work and then like a spare for old stuff like um military stuff but with the zero i could just put all the um all the dice on the top of it and just leave it like that yeah. and um and then obviously still have the dylan 550 for um the, the yep. bulk ammo i want to do um but yeah it's, it's yeah it's an option like you know you i could go buy oh i wouldn't really i could just go buy a rock chucker or something for 500 bucks and save myself a lot of money but I'm, I'm just really interested to know how you go using the um, the powder thrower, whether you're going to get yourself um, – well, no, you are going to get consistent enough for what you probably want it for. Mm. Um, I just can't remember. I think it was – yeah, well, I don't know. I was, like I said, I was reading on studying online. Everyone's like, oh, I just rip it off and, and throw them. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I, I, could, go I could possibly even go – so I've got an RCBS unit that throws – quite good even with like stick powders um worst comes to worst i could always just mount that on there and manually mm-hmm. once it indexes up manually uh, take it move that um we'll see no so, so what you actually need to build is you need to build a little uh, 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 a top station with, with with the rcbs trickler and extend the nozzle so it just trickles yeah. straight down into it no this i'm not even using a trickler i'm using a, a rcbs thrower as in just yeah. oh, okay, okay, just but the, it throws it okay. throws within point one pretty much all the time with two two oh eight point one Jeez. maybe the odd point two but it's man I'm I'm loading two to three with just throwing it and I mean that's a small volume case so it can be sensitive mm. to, to powder discrepancies and um I got like a I think it's an eight inch target two hundred meters and I can hit it every single time prone mm. with with ammo that's using a thrower so I'm kind of like. <laughs> It's all relative, eh? It's all yeah. we're not the ELR gun. No, no, exactly. That's so that, no. that's that goes on the, like the rock chucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so. it's not. And this is my. But to be honest, if I could replicate a six five Kreeble load that does a similar thing, matches around to seven fifty, shoots yep. MOA or better with an acceptable extreme spread of say minus 30, 30 sorry, you know, thirty or less. Flip man, it's a lot of positional shooting. It's not bench rest. It's not F class. Um, yeah, I just the more I do it, I, we've talked about it, me and Kerry previously, but the more I do it, the, the more I realize 
I'm wasting a lot of time and barrels and effort um, because I, I can't shoot minute of angle anyway when I'm in a position, right, for the most part. Yeah. So. I actually just spoke to one of my mates. Um, he's back in South Africa and he's got his uh, – he's very excited. He got a barrel action 6.5 Hauer. Uh, uh, XRS stock and he's put a I think it's a Vortex Strike Eagle on it and he's mm. just getting into like the NRL PRS type, type matches he's been a long hunter and everything so he's a good shooter but he's not so used to um, not so used to like matches and so on and I just spoke to him and said hey um, he put put a load together and it shoots half half MIA and I said just keep 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 that load it's fine I guarantee you on any barricade or any positional shooting, you're not going to be able to shoot. If that gun shot one hole, you're not going to be able to to yeah. um, shoot an MOA or maybe maybe an MOA, but off, off positional. And then, mm. then he was like, oh, is my barrel going to speed up? And I said, yeah, it's probably going to speed up, but <clears throat> um, but <laughs> it's not really going to make a massive difference, number one. No. And number two, um, if, you, if, if you're really concerned about your barrel speeding up, take the first 100 rounds, load your first 100 rounds, and don't sit prone and shoot. Use that that hundred rounds to actually train positional, um, and then from there on, let's say after the first hundred, maybe two hundred, your barrel is pretty much on speed. So, like, just just do that and and not waste ammo on on just shooting prone, trying to get that rifle to shoot whatever yeah. the all the Instagram photos show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, if I actually shoot a good group now, I won't even put a picture up of it. <laughs> I'm just like, meh, it's cool. Like, I'm stoked, but I'm like, it's just, I kind of, yeah. like, because there might be 10 bad groups and then one good group, so it's just like, whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just... I, I put it on. I, I, I put it on Instagram so that I have a photo of the best group that I have shot in my life. So that at least when I go back, I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of what I, I have shot. Otherwise, I can't I'll do it. Throw away the target. Target. And then, yeah, kind of never it, see it again. I also I try and like talk about like the, the less of the need for that. Yeah. Start, you know. So I, yeah, it's counterintuitive if I start being like, yeah, you don't need to shoot like pinhole groups, but no, like, look at this group I shot them. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. So like even now, like I was doing my three hundred wind mag load development, which probably leads on to the annealing and stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then I was like getting good extreme spreads and stuff. And, and then good, like pretty good groups. And then I was like, man, I'd like it better. And then I was like, well, do I really need it better? Like, do I need it one hole or is nearly, you know, some in one hole and like two just about in that, is that, you know, three quarter, is that good enough? Is half inch good enough? And I was like, yeah, of course it's good enough because the extreme spreads are, are lower um, mm. than, than, than I set my goal for. So really that's more important for past K anyway, in, in my yep. opinion. Um, so, yeah, it's... um. I guess, I get, like I've said it before, we, we get caught up on little groups and it's, I don't think it's productive for practical application shooting. Um, well, I've got a, I've lined up an interview with um, Chris Way next week. It was going to be this Monday, but we just, it, he was had a holiday, so next week. But of course, he's got the, you've got the craft number, which is the combination of what your gun shoots, but then also the position. And I think, those sort of representations of it's like, well, what's your craft number? What's your positional yeah. number? Whatever it is, becomes a lot more relevant because if a, a dude shooting like this versus a guy shooting like this, you suddenly it's like, okay, well, that's that's actually relevant to what we're doing because now 
that's what we're doing. And it's it's more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, put both those guys down and you might even find that guy shoots his gun shoots smaller because he shot so much prone, which is why he shoots like that when you get him out of it. Whereas for, for all our intents and purposes, that's probably more more relevant to what, what we're actually doing. So, you know, I, I see stuff like that. And then um, Thomas THLR with his old um, long-range pr- proficiency test um, with those plates, the same thing. It was always mm. a very practical health, you know, how accurate when you are on the clock, get behind a rifle at 500 metres without everything set up and you've got one shot, put that round on there, do you hit or not? And it's, yeah. it's a pretty mm. honest evaluation of things that way you know whereas yeah you take 10 hours to shoot a three-hole group and sure it's tiny but yeah is it cool if you do a mentor that's cool it's it's well done a a few a a local um event that happens around here sort of like a a club style thing they'll shoot their long range stuff and it's like 300 yards but they'll shoot a shot It's, it's a competition but they'll have like two warming barrel shots and this is a hunting club and then they'll go back and they'll look at it all. They'll walk up there. They don't just look through optics. They're shooting paper because it's weird. And then they'll they'll shoot one shot at a time and then they'll wander up again and they'll have a look at it and they'll come back and they'll shoot. And these are scoring shots and they'll shoot another shot. And it's so bizarre and it takes all day. So there's not – man, I, you couldn't pay me to do it. No. And, 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 and this is for hunting stuff, right? So I'm just – it kind of baffles me. Um. Anyway, so the idea behind it is you have a deer, you shoot the deer, you walk up to the deer, and then you walk back. And by the time you're back, more deer has appeared on that same spot. Yeah. And then you it's shoot a- the next one again. Is, I'm is like, I'm a- like, we shouldn't couldn't you just buy like a milling scope and like measure it? Ooh, but yeah. it'd be, let's be honest, minutes of angles. So get it a minute of angles, Roski. Yeah. And like <laughs> no, no, that's it's just how they've done it for a long time. And <laughs> And I know a bunch of people have gone along and then they start coming to some of the um, GPRE and TLRS events and they go, holy shit, this is pretty good, you know, because it's fast and, you know, you, you've got like a Practical. set time to do 10 shots and they're like, whoa, <laughs> that's fast. And it's like, well, no, you've got two minutes, that's heaps of time. But, um, and they'll do a full day in these sort of events and shoot like 10 to 20 rounds for eight mm-hmm. hours or something. Um, yeah. It's just It's just different and it's... It's a horses for courses. I mean, that, that's the other thing because they're probably all nattering and they're all comparing and chatting everything. And, and the you know, I guess if you've got a pencil barrel, it's cooling down between strings of fire as well. If a guy turns up with like a bull barrel and on a chassis, you've got to, you know. But, yeah, uh, and your, your, your barrel's going to last very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's cooling down every single time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I know of another club as well that, some of the guys that would um, compete in in GPRE and TLRS matches and so on, but at, at the club itself, they shoot very traditional style, like days, <clears throat> and and it's not helping for for the actual actual application. Um, mm-hmm. What these guys want to do is they want to start competing um, in in some of these matches. Obviously, it's for fun, but you want to do well, um, and. Uh, there's there's just this the I don't know the people who have been there for a very long time don't want to change so um, but it's more I, I think it's I think it's um, it's changing with with newcomers going to other clubs and people seeing that hey um, people want to do this type of shooting so maybe it's time for us to adapt otherwise we're going to be left behind 
So yeah. there's some people that's taking it on board, which is very positive in my opinion. I mean, you can still have different days for different types of shooting, but I think incorporating the new types of, of let's say field style, style shooting is, is a, is a very positive thing for everything for hunting as well. I see the central North Island gun club in Rotorua. They've um, got a sort of little mini 22 precision series just um, kicking off um, with that idea, bring people, I mean, obviously it's going to bring revenue in from around the, uh, the different regions, but also maybe more members for their club, younger members, and it's sort of dynamic shooting. Um, so I'm, it's the weekend for Tarada, so I might head along to a day trip. Um, I should really be doing Cinefire practice, although I'll be probably helping set up Tarada. So anyway, but it's but they're seeing it as, well, I'm imagining um, an opportunity to um you expand their membership and revenue and um, not a bad capitalize. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, That's the thing. And it, it's, it's interesting. You, you look overseas. I mean, obviously the NRL now 22 and the 22 X, but I mean, a lot of feedback, they've got guys who are almost switching out of the, the NRL into focusing more on the 22 side of things. Cause it's, they're like, Equal fun, less noise, easier, just, you know, not pushed around as much, all these things. So I think they always thought it was going to be a feeding thing over to the Centrefire stuff, but they're finding a lot of people are coming back the other way and have a preference for the 22. Because the other thing, which I heard a comment on, they said, well, we'll bring the whole family along. Yes, and what I wanted to say, yeah. The boy or the girl can shoot with me and we just don't have, you know, it's it's more of a family thing that we can just do. So, um, Yeah. I had, I had dry fire with the, the big girl today just seeing if we could get that whiskey short enough uh, for her to be comfortable behind it. So, kind of. <laughs> it's a big, big gun for a, for a six-year-old to be lying behind. But anyway, honestly, I took, I took the cheek riser completely out and then suddenly she's like, oh, yeah, this is a lot more comfortable. Yeah, okay, all right. It's not like it moves much anyway with the weight in it. So, it's like, yeah, yeah. okay, we can possibly do this. <laughs> The other thing about shooting 22s, I think for the families and so on, and why people are shifting to it is not everybody has time to reload every single time. Mm. So it's way easier for a lot of people. It's cheaper to some extent. Um, yep. Just grab a box and hand it to the whole family and say, here's your 200 rounds for the day. And yep. there you go. You don't need to do load development and all the other bits and pieces because that's a lot of time as well. Well, and like you say, a lot of money. And if you've got mm. three or four people in the family who maybe want to get into it, does dad or the main guy get to do all the reloading and cover all of it? It's a hell of a lot easier, <laughs> like you say, to go get some boxes of ammo and go, here we go, we've got a box each and we're away. So mm-hmm. so for a suck so so for our suckers who are actually reloading, we then segue on to the the well, one of the topics of a night anyway, which is annealing. Now, Dirk, do you anneal? Yes, I've got an interesting story for you. We, we can go on and then okay. I'll, I th- I'll, keep I thought, it, I'll keep it for the juicy ones. Yes. Okay, cool. I, I thought I'd just better just check so we're all – okay, cool. Uh, and yes, have I you did. been doing much annealing, Graham? Have you got the AMP set up or what's what's the dealio? Yeah, man. Um, so I, okay. I, I started a anneal. Oh, yes, we can lead on if you like. We'll carry no, on. No, it's, no, I'm just – checking rule i've never never i don't want to assume that everyone's actually doing you know so are you scared to offend, offend us no i'm not no but <laughs> he's got to be scared the internet's already seen me in my undies tonight Dick. yeah <laughs> 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 the show off him running around in his boxes <laughs> no that's right there's i'm still due to write a um undie subscription article for the bloke but anyway 
I digress. Um, no, no, I'm just checking actually everyone anneals because not everyone actually anneals. It's it's one of those things that it's become probably more common in the last couple of years because the equipment's become a lot easier and available and easier to use. And for the longest time, it was like borderline black magic, you know? So did here, did we all, uh, are we gas annealing? Did we start with gas annealing? I'm just trying to figure out how to really start the subject. I'm no, still I- gas annealing. Okay, so... Why do we anneal? Guess. Why do we anneal? Anyone? The internet start? tells us to. Of course. Because <laughs> I read an article on uh, the bloke years ago and realized uh, apparently I saw these cool photos of, of uh, brass glowing and wanted to do that <laughs> to my brass as well. So, so Act- from, from my understanding, why do we anneal? Um, so, basically, if you take a, a very, like a, a piece of metal, that you can bend, and when you want to break it, you start doing like this the whole time, and then it starts what I've work been hardening. Uh, the, the work hardening. Um, and the, uh, the, the then it engineer breaks. here might or the, the are we calling you an engineer these days, Graham? What's the deal? Oh, no, uh, now in my trade, if you want to sound flash, you'll call yourself an engineer. Yeah, but that's you go to university to become an engineer, like yeah. our friend Simon. I am a I'm a tradesperson, so I do okay. engineering. Um, Depends, yeah. If you're trying to sound cool, I'll think. But I'm a fabricator by trade. And okay, you're, you're comfortable with work hardening as a term then? Where are we using the right term? It's in your article, it says work hardening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... <it's, laughs> I'm not saying I'm qualified. I've never said I'm qualified. And actually, I'm just looking at your article, what Dirk said's in there too. <laughs> Dirk, you got to get better source material than Kerry stuff. Oh, my nothing goodness. To say. Am, am, I, am I just giving you shameless plugs all the time? No, no. I, I, who else? Is good? I can't see anyone writing much different about this process. No, it's anyway. the same. I mean, no, it's, it's like, true. you know, anyway, it's sorry, it's, sorry and then, it's before I, yeah. And then it gets to a point where it's, let's say, too work on, and then it just breaks. And that's kind of worth um, continuously, let's say, shooting a, a case, sizing it again, shooting it again. It's got minimal expansion, but it does work on after a few firings, and it gets to a point where, um, Either you start getting split necks, but before that, you also don't have the same um, the um, characteristics change the harder it gets. So um, the more you anneal, the, the idea behind annealing is to get this, the same um, characteristics of for the brass each and every time, so that you get the same neck tension um, and kind of it's all about consistency. Um, so there's two things to it. The one is you get extended brass life, and the other thing is you get more consistency, better consistency. And that's why I anneal. I don't know. You guys anneal for a different reason? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just I'm listening. Just then you've you've got the points I'd probably have covered ticked off as well. So um, yeah, yeah so I, for Graham, if you've, you've you've kind of remember, but you're sitting. The more I get into more reloading, the more I concentrate on neck tension um, for consistent velocity. Um, again, if, if you've got a harder brass, when you set you know, varying degrees each time, it's going to have an effect on your neck tension. So you can sort of use it as a way of keeping an eye on it and setting that neck tension the same each time. Um, whether I, I do it each time on some cases, whether I should, I don't know. Some people say you should and shouldn't, but I just sort of do the same step because it doesn't take very long, but... Yeah, I I do it. Case life, yes. 
although I normally run things a little bit hot and end up wearing primer pockets out before necks anyway. But um, mm. but yeah, I'm really chasing neck tension nowadays. Um, that's sort of one thing I do. You, do you bother or do you? Yeah, well, do you bother annealing for any of the more oddball or fruity cartridges you have? Are you worried about brass life in regards to those, Graham, or is it not really that much of an issue? I've, I've, sure. I've played around annealing things if I'm converting brass because, you know, you, yeah. you, it's nice and soft. It's going to yep. form and be more malleable. Think Play-Doh, right? Malleable, move yep. it around. Um, like with old military stuff, I, I, yeah. I mucked around converting 6.5 to 6.5 Creed for a while. Then I abandoned that because I just bought some high quality brass because I didn't want mixed head stamps. Um, yeah, but the oddball stuff. So most of my really oddball is is old shit. You know, like weird old calibers that are well and truly obsolete. So they're not getting fired enough for yeah. me to warrant buying the bushes to anneal them. Probably, <laughs> I, I've got a gas annealer. Again, I started with gas. I could never get it to run consistently enough, the one I had. Like the cases wouldn't um, sort of spin and track properly, so you'd get some that seemed to be okay and some that didn't. And it was a lot of guesswork with the setup. It was still there in the shed. but And then the gas would sort of interrupt. And Anyway, so but with the AMP, obviously, it's, it's mm. significantly more consistent. But, um, but nah, I don't do that much oddball stuff, really. And... Nah, it's all just sort of. Oh, I've been annealing some three throughout edge and stuff like that, but that's because the brass is very expensive. It's not mine, but it's. Um, so you else. want to get as much as you can out of it. Yeah, the- it's it's yeah it's, it's I think it's like five bucks a piece or something. What he's using, <laughs> so it's it's that's worth keeping going as long as you can. Practically yep. go, yeah, yeah. Um, did anyone ever muck around with? Was it the lead baths or the hot baths and and sinking salt. Heads? salt bath? Yeah. Salt bath. I guess you'd be too. It'd be hard to know what you were doing. Uh, it's the, I, but I think a lot of the the early systems were. I think people to me was like we knew we wanted to anneal. We wanted to get that consistency. So the, it was like the salt bath or early, the early. I mean, guys who I'm assuming you're doing a little step beyond this, Dirk. With the guys who are putting the brass in the end of a drill and with a gas torch and just I've seen guys literally doing it like that, and. I guess it's that notion of I know I want to do it and then how am I going to do it? And then, uh, you know, I, I had the same thing. I had, um, I think went through two gas annealers. Actually, Henny, I had one that had been brought in from um, South Africa. There was a guy doing them for a while. I can't remember the name of them. Um, and they were awesome. It worked for everything, but there was always just still that question of how much am I actually heating or annealing this? And, I did the lights out and wait till it just changes color because I heard that was one methodology. I tried the temp lag. Um, yeah, I, it always seemed to anneal. I never really melted or right really screwed up cases, but I, I guess I just got to a point where I'm like, how much am I actually annealing this? So, mm. so great segue into that. There we go. Um, <laughs> so, when was this? Basically, I think it was a match, um, the previous TLRS match. Um, I was shooting uh, my one, so six mil Creed, 27-inch barrel, 110s at about 3.1. So that's kind of, I would say, at the top end of pressure. I wouldn't say yeah. it's like crazy pressures, um, but that's kind of, yeah, um, 2 to 9. And um, I started picking up like a 
the Barnard action is really smooth and I know they can handle a lot of pressure. So I started picking up like almost like the cam up is perfect, but then pu- pulling it back was kind of sticky, sticky sometimes. And I was, it was the first time I've ever, ever had this. So I didn't really know what was going on. And then I thought, well, maybe it's pressure. Um, and then I dropped my load down to two, two, nine fifty around there. And I kept on, and shot the next match. Went to South Island with that with that um, with that load. The rifle shot very well. Extreme spreads and the pressure for reloading. You, you can kind of feel when you're seeding a bullet if it's like the neck tension is way different to the other ones. You can obviously feel it. And neck tension from my feel was very very good or very consistent. Um, so everything was just perfect but it was I just kept on having the sticky bolt and then um what happened then i started checking like my, my cleaning regiment and like do i am i have i got a carbon ring somewhere or is there trouble i'm getting pressure at like lower speeds and still having so so i went through a very very like two nights of cleaning um my barrel i had a ball scope down there everything Cleaned it up, same load, shooting, same problem. And then I started, I was like, what's the last thing that can, what is the last thing that can be? And then someone, somewhere I read about annealing and over annealing. So basically, if your brass is too soft, then these, so your brass will most of the time always will, will have a bit of spring back. Even if it's perfectly annealed, it will have a better spring back. But if it's over annealed, it doesn't spring back at all. So that's why your neck tension is perfect because it doesn't, it's just so nice. It doesn't spring back at all. But then when you when you fire the round, the neck expands and doesn't spring back a little bit. So it kind of, I'm not saying it, it's sticking against the, the neck or the, in the chamber, um, but it's kind of setting there. So it's tough to pull it back that last. But if you look at the cases, actually, you can see the line like on the, case next um and then i realized uh, i actually um sent um the guys from amp uh, email as well and said hey you guys have tested a lot of annealing as well so have you ever have you ever come across this and they said well it is something that can happen if you over anneal um but then obviously as the brass work hardens again sometimes you anneal it to a point where it's it, it, you can't get the brass back to a, its normal state or its original state but if you just went just past um, the normal like perfect annealing you've over annealed it a bit but you can work hard on it again i was like okay so now i'm worried because now i've got 200 200 cases on the poor brass and i can't get the poor at the moment <laughs> so i'm in trouble so i'm like two nights of uh, staying awake for a little bit and thinking about it. And then, so this is what I did, not, not giving, not giving advice to anyone, but, um, my thought was if I would, if I would size and expand my necks three or four times, cause I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot 600 rounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot 600 rounds. So I was like, okay, take the brass and do kind of size it four times and expand it four times yeah, and then load it up um, and then shoot it. Um, now I've got 200 rounds that is loaded up and we went into lockdown after this whole shenanigan. So, but 
I could feel at least um, when I was seeding the the bullets, and I can feel it like if you size it four times, yeah, like second, third, you can start feeling it. It gets a little bit like harder. Um, so that's that's kind of the road that I went down. And you you saying, um, Gary, you're saying when when you're doing the gas flame, you you're not always sure are you in the sweet spot. Um, and there's a few things that, that made me think, and I commented on, um, on one of your, one of your Instagram posts as well with the ampanilla saying uh, it's got aesthetic mode and then it kind of tests, um, the perfect, it, it, it destroys the case, but then obviously it knows that batch is yeah. this, you need this program to perfectly in your, in your optimally. Um, and then I was thinking because, I was annealing the same way every single time. Yes, there might have been some fluctuations in the gas or something, but I wouldn't think that I would anneal to that point that I would over anneal a case that would give me these problems. But then I started thinking that I'm like on the sixth, seventh, eighth firing around there, but I've been annealing the whole time. So I've, I've been trimming as well. And now my neck, my walls might have gotten to a point where it's just a little bit thinner and I started over annealing. Um, and that's why I asked you on, mm. on Instagram saying, hey, do you think after four, maybe it's a four or five firings, you put on another case, destroy it again, and double check if your case wall thickness is neck wall thickness is, is still the same because you you might run into a problem where you are over needling even with the ampanilla if you don't double check it every now and then. That's just my thought. Uh, yeah, I, and, and it's valid. I think... Um I don't. I don't think it would make that, at that point. I don't think it that make that much of a difference with the AMP because I think you, you. By my understanding, with the Aztec in their system, you're not even you're not worried about potentially over annealing compared to gassing the thing where it glows when it's done. You know, I mean, I had guys who said, "Yeah, you got to set it up so that turn all the lights out and get that thing going until it just starts to glow, and that's where you're good." And then I, you read other articles where they're like, "Holy shit, do not." If your brass is glowing at any point, you're way over annealing it. And you're just like, well, I don't know. I'm in my garage. I don't really have yep. the ability to test the, you know, I've got I've got verns and calipers and stuff. I measure that, but I can't test hardness. And I think that's probably what piqued my interest when I first AMP first came into it, because um there's Alex and Matt were destroying copious amounts of brass by annealing and then testing and then cutting them in half and looking at them. And they basically have been there a couple of times and they effectively have a lab there with the microscopes and all the gear to just measure what the hell's going on. So, you know, and the, when they, when the AMP, which is a annealing unit, so if people aren't, so you've got a gas unit, which is basically a gas blowtorch and you're rotating the brass Important to note, you're only wanting for people listening in, you can't just put all your brass in an oven. It's not about just heating everything up. You're just wanting to do the 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 neck and really the neck. <laughs> I say because... No, no, it's 100%, 100% yeah, correct. I'm just, just thinking about just throwing your brass in the oven. Don't just oven it. You dry it. Yes, people dry yeah. it after wet, dry, whatever it is. Don't just leave it in there and go, oh, well, I'm going to kneel it at the same time because now mm-hmm. your whole brass, the whole lot, and the, including sometimes at certain cartridges, the back, which isn't that well supported, are all soft. Anyway, so you're just doing the neck. But, yeah, originally it was gas and you have the devices that drop and spin it or the, you see them. I've never seen one in New Zealand, but the, some American boys where they've got these big turntable units that spin around and 
So that for a long time, that's how it's done. And then guys were starting to use induction and kneeling. So AMP weren't the first guys to do induction and kneeling. It's not, you know, an induction's basically magnetic coil, brass goes in here, heats, brass, molecules, magic, magic, you know, magnets. How do they work? It's magic. Is it? No, no, no. <laughs> clown fans, whatever they were. Anyway, um, so so it was a it was a system that was nice and clean and easy to set. But the big thing that appealed to me is these guys were taking. You could send a bit of brass in. They would basically do the Aztec testing in the the office and send you back a number and go. Well, here's a program you need to do to get it optimal you know and they had the uh, poor brass had several different programs because everyone had different batches they were sending in and you're like oh, okay so someone can put it in a lab and tell me whether i'm under over kneeling or anything it was and that's that was kind of the appealing part um to me uh with the initial amp and down in pookie local boys it's like oh well extra extra bonus points to it um but yeah now they have the aztec and i Graham, do you have you read up? Does anyone actually know how the Aztec mode works? I mean, I know it destroys cases. I'm assuming it's measuring it to a temp or you're on mute, buddy. I'm muted because I was eating biscuits. I imagine the only thing I know, and I don't actually know this about Aztec, is I assume they named it after the sacrificial sacrifices the Aztecs did on top of their fancy pyramids. Yes. The only cool name. Um, other than that, I don't know. It's, it's magic, man. That's right. I'm- nor, nor do, nor does. Uh, this is the thing. Nor do I need to know how it actually works for it to know that it works and have faith in those guys yeah. that what they're doing is they're doing. So that's. Uh, I think people might have seen that's that's a result of one of the Aztecs recently. It it destroys a bit of brass. You're not shooting the thing, and that one might not focus. It. Oh yeah, it's actually melted yeah. the top of it. Basically, mm-hmm. it softens it so much it starts collapsing and melting. So, um, those are my two. Yeah, those are both my Peterson bits I've done over time. Um, so the Aztec mode, they basically just move that out of a laboratory so you can do it with your brass, your particular neck turn, whatever it is, and, and you're away and into town. So so follow-up question. You yep. obviously annealed your Peterson brass before you neck turned it. Correct? No, neck neck turn it, then do the Aztec. No, no but 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 so this uh, will kind of tie into my previous statement that I've yes. made and saying what what was the program that you had before the neck turn brass and after the neck but oh, I, I don't know I would need to that was different that, yeah hang on yeah um I've got it written down somewhere because there's this guy um on YouTube Reese on the range um he's got a annealing kind of series and he's a I'll, I'll never be a, I'll, I always struggle with this word he's a metallurgist metallurgist Um, and he explains annealing and kind of how it goes as well um, in graphs and so on and um, it's quite interesting he's got his own induction induction annealer that he he built Um, and he's also got this one where he is annealing I I think it's Hornady Brass and then he's going over to 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 Lapua Brass, and he said he thinks his Hornady Brass will probably be on, let's say, two and a half seconds, and then his Lapua would be, let's say, 3.2 seconds or something. And then he ends up having to go to about almost four seconds to anneal the Lapua Brass, and he's talking about the the neck wall thickness and mm. how 
how much of a difference that makes. So that made kind of got me thinking, and I'm like, hey, I wonder, I wonder, I, I, I need how much to of a check. difference that would make. Yeah, well, I can tell you. I mean, I I don't know. I've probably got to run down somewhere where I've got pre and pre and post. So I need to double check. I know that I've got an Aztec code here of one sixty three for the Peterson with the turned. Um, yeah, but I don't have pre turned, so I don't really know. Uh, I can tell you the Hornaday runs one forty one. Is higher. Is higher. I'm assuming the higher stronger, number is longer. Or, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't know okay. how much what magnitude that is, whether it's yeah. linear or what. I'm assuming it probably is. Um, if if but, you go through there, no, they've got information for non Aztec for whatever reason, but you can find your brass. It'll actually give you neck thickness options for your code if mm. you manually want to do it too. So it's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, the the order of operations I normally do is I will quickly clean it, then run it through the Aztec, then resize. So when I was neck turning, as I, I read online, I full length resized with a, a non bushing die because they suggest do just do it that way um, before you neck turn. Um, so I had annealed it, but then I'd resized it and expanded it with the neck turn expansion mandrel, but I didn't anneal it then to then turn it after that. So it had been annealed, but it had then been resized afterwards. Okay. So what's your, what's your complete process? When I'm taking to your, through your, no, through your complete <laughs> reloading process. <laughs> Depends how lazy you're feeling. Get it miss, home. Miss the target. Yeah, miss the target. It all starts with missing a target. Find the brass. Find the, the brass and the yeah. fucking Find brass. The brass. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I'm now with Peterson brass on that guy, especially now if I've got neck turn brass, they're going to be my little babies. They're going to be like, what the fuck? Oh, no. Oh, I've lost, you just lost one bit. I oh, know I have, and I neck turned that. Anyway, um, uh, I'll get everything back. I'll give it a clean. I will just, which is tumbler. I don't do wet tumbling. I just, I just tumble it for a bit just to get some of the, the crap off it um and this will happen i'll do one stage over weeks sometimes because i don't do it all in one night so i'll do that then i'll go through and anneal them all then on the 550 i the one head i've got is basically d prime reprime body neck bushing and then mandrel and that's that's now now i've got brass that's basically annealed resized uh, reprimed um, I might, go. if I can be bothered, give it a quick clean to get any lube off it, depending if I've got time, uh, ready to go. And then I actually shift around. I've got a reading turret in there set up at the moment, the R7, I think it is, or the coax, whatever's sitting there. And then I'll just charge individually and seat. Um, I haven't needed to trim, but logically, if I needed to, I would be trimming after that resize process at some point before I charge them and re-chamfer and um, do that. Um, and then I try and shoot and miss the targets again and blame my extremely huge ES and SDs and throw my gun and away. Change the rifle. And, yeah, decide that <laughs> golf would be a better option or something. Or, yeah. So it's more frustrating, I guarantee you. <laughs> if you're terrible like me. so I yeah, couldn't do golf. Is. I ended up, it was, it was, yeah, it would be like shooting 20 rounds over eight hours, I think, was, was what it was for me. <laughs> Basically. Graham, how about you? How do I reload? Which, yes. Uh, well, I'll just talk to say six mil because I there's a mm-hmm. I got different processes of all sorts. Um, yeah. Normally, it'll go straight into the media tumbler, which decided to shit itself during lockdown. Um, if you're saying media is a vibratory tumbler, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's just running lucky. 
corn cob or something, which yeah, does I'm a sorry. half half ass okay job, but it doesn't really clean the insides at all, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, if you have the primers out, it just clogs them up anyway with media. I'll then um, I'll obviously empty it all out, get all the clean the primer pockets out, just mildly. I don't go too hardcore. Um, again, because it's only sub one thousand meter ammo, so that's just scratched out with a little um lineman tool or something I've got. Uh, I will what then what I'll do? I will I just full length size um my um six mil using the expander and and then I'll check the length trim if need be. I I'd usually mostly trim just as a I've, I've kind of buggered up and mixed up a bit of brass that has different um, amounts of firing, so I just run it all through. Um, uh, no, and I'm sorry, I've annealed it before I sized it too. I, I should have said that, run it through the AMP mm-hmm. just because so I you, still so you, clean, you, you vibratory tumbler first, then then you're AMP, yeah. And then I'll, yeah, then I'll resize the brass, um, prime powder projectile, yeah, yep. And just do, do I do maybe a batch of 50 at a time. I try not to, I hate having a heap of prime too much prime brass in case I get taken away from it for whatever reason. Um, uh, I, I only ever charge 10 at a time because I find if I like charge 50 and I go from my powder bench to my thing bench and then I'll I'll see like a couple granules of powder on my tray and I'll be like where the frick did that come from you know or, <laughs> or maybe it's just one's dropped a few and I'm like oh shit so then I start again so if I do 10 and I, I, I triple fumble and uh, it jumps a few kernels out I'm like okay I can I can afford to tip ten back into the hopper and start again, mm. and then I'll and I'll size and uh, sorry, and then I'll then I'll see bullets and and go from there. Um, a bit more involved with some of the thousand meter plus ammo and three hundred wind mag and the like, but um, yeah. What's a bit more involved for for that? What extra uh, steps do you go? So for I run it in the body die. Well, similar, I run it in the body die, and then I um, then I'll run it in a collet die afterwards for the neck and just muck around like that and, and a lot more prep um like mm-hmm. i check the bump on the shoulder way more often whereas i don't on the six mil um just to make sure it between taking dies out i'm not doing something or forgotten something um yeah then neck tension via the um expander and uh, sorry the um collet and then prime pockets far cleaner i'm far more picky on um trimming like I do it every time. Every, yeah, just it's just yeah. te- making those steps a little bit more uniform and um, really, really getting into that neck tension. Um, mm. And then also really, really being anal on the charge. Like I'm reasonably picky on a charge weight, which I don't think I need to be, but even with a six mil, like if I'm like, oh, it's just one extra granule fell in, I'll be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to pinch that other pair of tweezers. But, but with the three-round wind mag, like I'll go, oh, actually that – that beam scale sitting just a fraction high. So I might like swap out one kernel for another sometimes, but it doesn't actually really, it's probably making no difference, but it's just, I've got a good result. So I'll, I'll yeah. well, I think I've got a good result. I need to test it yeah. out to a K. I've only tested it to 600 meters, the new load being, uh, it's lambing. So I'm sort of avoiding really loud guns up at the other range for a few months, a month maybe. And then, but once the, yeah, I'll start testing it out to a mile and then, See if I'm happy with it, but so far so good. But just again, different job. Those I need those projectiles to do. They're going a lot further, you know. Again, mm. six mils positional mostly. Mm. Three hundred wind mag is ninety five percent prone. 
and um, passed a K. So, yep. Different. So the the one thing that I've not I've I've ordered one of those um, Frankfurt Arsenal. Like it's a, it's a, I don't think it's called a case prep station. It's called a case something. It's got, yeah. it, um, trims your brass, but it indexes off the shoulder. So obviously you size before you trim. Um, and then it's got just your inside and outside chamfer and, and, and then the, um, primer pocket cleaner because I hate brass prep and it takes so long, but I am very OCD when it comes to these things. So I kind of go, no, 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 it's will be fine. And then I do it once and then I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't not do it. I can't not do it. Um, and I'll, most of the time I'll be sitting like watching series or whatever, and then I'll just do 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 that. So it's pretty straightforward, but it's, it takes so much time. So I, I, I bought that. I haven't, I haven't received it yet, but I'm hoping it'll change my life because it I, 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 It'll be life changing, man. It'll be like game changer, like genuine game changer. You know how they always say every new product's a game changer. This will actually be the the, the game will change for you. What? Yeah. What has been a game changer though in the last five years? I I would suggest stuff like that. AMP. The AMP. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like. I I I'm really tempted because I'm lazy, but then to do a hundred rounds. What I'm looking for is stuff that that not only does stuff better, more accurately, but does it more efficiently. So if there's anything I can set and forget, so that's why I always keep an eye on the AMP, the um, the, the case case feeder thing, right? Because mm. I'm kind of like, if I could just <clears> throw 150 bits of brass in there, push a button, go have a piss or something i've if i've gained my life i'm more efficient hurrah um to me that's 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 pretty cool you know that sort yep. of stuff i kind of get and um yeah so i i think stuff like that have been good figuring out although like when i was writing that article about the progressive reloader it has sped stuff up but not exponentially you know i mean i yeah it's mm. but i i think I don't know. Yeah, I think the AMP, all the, the that that system was because it introduced me to proper annealing. Doesn't I don't shit. Does it make me hit more targets? I don't know. But it, it, I've got the process that it's nice and um, it's quick and efficient, and I don't have to spend too long doing it. So it's a why not stage mm. for me, you know. Mm. Oh, if I could I, cost effectively yep. automate my whole system, yeah, with and have an acceptable degree of accuracy and consistency. I'd love it. Like, I imagine there's setups up your way. Um, we've got a, a local guy who's invested hundreds of thousands. He loads for the local pistol carbon. It's fully automated. All he does is fills up hoppers. It's. Yep. I guess it's some. It's. It's. It's not Dylan. It's some. Well, uh, yeah. There, there's. Well, so you well, no. Get, some of it is. I lie. Yeah. I yeah. Lie. You get stuff like we. I had a ten fifty set up for two two three, and it got to the point every time you pulled your arm, the arm, another bit of two two three came out, and then the yeah. boys brought out. I forget the name of them. Uh, they brought out basically something to pull the arm for you, and then yeah. they brought their own version out, which is their own press based on it. And it is essentially a commercial machine yeah. that you can just set up at home. But he had a he had a thing, and this is in the AR days. So he used to load a lot of five five six two two three whatever. Yeah. But he had a he load in five five six brass, and it had this jigamadoo that it would size it would size the brass and the three hundred blackout and trim it in one motion. Yes. Electric motor was it going to go, and it would go in, and a half second later come out as three hundred blackout brass. He had it all set up at the gun show, running for us. It's really neat, um, man. And again, 
pre twenty um, twenty eleven. So he, yep. he he could just be same thing loading in five five six brass with no prep, and out the other end was coming through in a blackout load ammo, and he was running it slow at a slow speed, and it was fast. Yeah, he could turn it up to seven billion. I don't know, but. Man. Well, that's the thing, and and at that point, yeah, that's that's you can then sit back. You still want to be there to keep an idea that someone doesn't mm. hang up or something, but you can be sitting there, kind of doing other stuff and checking. And the biggest thing I've seen some of them running. The biggest issue is keeing the things fed with yeah. brass primers, projectiles, because they're just yeah. chewing. And he, you know, yeah, he's he's got like a dozen, half a dozen of these big machines, yeah. and so I imagine that's all he does is walk back and forth. Again, now this ammo was not match ammo. This was yeah, three gun ammo, which is. Very different from what yeah. we do, mm. um, like acceptable degrees of accuracy are worlds apart. But but I wonder if you slowed the machine down, knocked out, kept an eye on those tolerances, just really did it. You could probably get it to a point. Everyone's hung mm. up on a single stage. But Hornet a Hornet a match. Yeah, that's on. A, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, probably. Well, so is all the the boutique. You know the boutique ammos that the primes and the stuff like that that you see stateside. They're all they're not. They're not loaded single stage. No, <laughs> that, would not, that would not be a, <laughs> yeah. a feasible business. No. Unless you get like a room full of retired old fellows or so. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. What or illegals. You? You're illegals. <laughs> retired illegals. <That's>, <laughs> What's well, other game changers? Um, maybe some of the auto tricklers. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I agree. I, I want one. God, I. Yep. What is it, name D? What do you got, Kerry? What's it called? Yeah, it's auto trickler with an A&D. Or it's Sartorius you can do underneath it as well. But the A&D, I read about, there's a great article. The guy who did the auto trickler is a bit of a mathematician and wrote an article and, and he broke down basically what 0. 0.20 kernels, uh, 0.02 grains of powder difference would equate to at FPS. And he kind of, you know, broke that down and he's like, a&D does 0 0.02. He's like, that relates to this. That gives me this level of it. He's like, I can't shoot anywhere near that well. So 0 0.02 is fine. The Sartorius, which is point, I don't know, three deaths or whatever it is. Like, I like the idea of it just for doing my match ammo or extended yeah. long-range ammo, just eliminating the beam scale. Well, something something we, uh, that was mentioned earlier I was going to talk about, I've seen a setup once, and it was basically a 550 with the powder funnel, so they'd remove the auto hopper and put the, um, the powder funnel, and above it on this time, it might have been David Tubb's setup, was a Prometheus. Mm. You remember the Prometheus, which was, that's that's a that's a yep. technology a, that would have been... It's a beam scale, it's a be triple yeah. fed beam scale. Yeah. I yeah. just Eric happened Cortina, to see it last Eric night. Eric yeah. has one. Yeah, he, now he I only watched, uses one. I watched the same video yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so that's feeding. So there's one of those feeding into the powder trickler. So you could, in theory, and I'm sure someone actually has, built an auto trickler unit that will sit on top of a, of a 550 and feed it that way. So then, yeah, you could feed. Well, mm. yeah, feed, crank, see, feed, you know, so... I don't know. Yes, could do it. I, I guess I'm at the point now that if I was shooting every every weekend, then yeah, I'd be seriously looking into it. But the amount I actually get to shoot where I need that that grade of ammo, I'm fine at the moment, you know. That's mm. the thing. And and I've now got a five and a six year old who are just tall enough to pull the handle on a uh, reloader um on a press. So that's working out well. So we, we get in there, we get like a chain gang going now. <laughs> I think actually speaking, I mentioned the the, the the zero press, but a far better investment for what I do would would be. Well, I want a new press, but would be a an A and D. I reckon auto trip. Yeah, would be, uh, if yeah, because I it's the 
yeah, I want one a lot. Time well, time wise, and and the fact that you you you're so so anal about your ten 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 loaded cases and then go and see mm. if you can if you can literally sit here. Obviously, not the same bench, but maybe just a side bench so that if you pull, you're not wiggling everything. Maybe because that's what I do. I've got my auto trickler on a little table on the side. So and then my press on uh, another table, so that if I pull the press, it's not it's not disturbing anything. Um, and then I kind of charge, put it in, bullet, put, put the tray back, still let, let it start running, and then charge my bullet. So then I've always I know each and every one's got a charge in. I've had that previously as well, where I yep. pull the trigger and there's no charge in it. Um, and then. The, that's why I kind of change this process, and I think it's it's half the time because you're now not doing one stage in one stage. You're doing it kind of in, in one, and you're saving sorry, that you, time while hitting. Did you say what sort of tri- trickle uh, trickler are you running, sorry, dude? Just a uh, charge monster light. RCBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not bad though. Are they quite a pretty good? They, cost of they, 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 they're pretty good. Um, I've got a actually a smaller scale on the side. Um, so they're not that fast. So I kind of have time to throw the powder, seat, put the tray back, seat the bullet, and it runs about I think 30 seconds. So I always have a little bit of time when I go back, and I've got a little. Um, I can't remember what the what the scale is, but it measures to point zero. It's not not point one, but point zero. Let's say I think a three of a grain. So it, it picks up granule. Um, and I, I I double check it on that as well. So I kind of pull it pull it over there, put it back, double check it on that, and then um, and then charge it. And for two to nine, it's pretty good. It's sometimes I'd say point one um, off. It charges actually a little bit higher than the other scale, but it doesn't matter if it consistently charges it. That it's fine. But it's kind of point point one high sometimes. But I've tried two two one three. And man, that was consistent with two two one three. I couldn't believe it. It was, I'd say, out of a hundred, maybe four of them were point one high. So, um, yeah, the the type of powder that you use make a massive difference. Um, in in, I'd say that class of auto yep. tricklers. I, although I, I haven't played with them, but I would I would have to assume that the new Charge Masters and the is it the Hornaday one, you're seeing them now coming out with the dual pipes and everything. So they've probably looked yes. at what's happened with the auto trickler and gone, oh, well, that's it. We've got to up our game and, and play catch-up. Yeah. Otherwise, this little guy in Canada is going to leave us for dead. Yeah, but but that one's the match master and that one's way more expensive. That one's like, oh, okay. Uh, it's nearly as much is, as an A&D. That, it's A&D. Oh, yeah, it? okay, A&D okay. money. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so... Oh well, yeah, so in that case, of, they just went. Oh, there is a market. Guys are spending stupid amounts of money on their scale, so we better yeah. chip in on that as yeah. well. Okay, cool, hundred um, percent. The other thing as well is, is, is I've I've shot a, a normally when I when I when I test the load, I do a little charge ladder test in not point two or point three. I do point one. I do two of the point ones, so that I do it once. If there's any male function in reading of the speed or there's, I don't know, something that's neck tension as high as, I mean, I have one book of very good data and I don't have to go back and double check something. Um, and I had a spread of point, point 0.7 grains of charge um, 
between a spread of 0.7 grams of charge, I had extreme spread of 22. So I was like, okay, so in the middle, mm. and if I've got 0.1 high or 0.1 low, I don't believe it's going to make a massive difference. So I look for those little nodes and then kind of try and try and load in there. But the other thing that you said as well, Graham, neck tension, very important. I feel like your neck tension is more important than than on the granule charges. If you've got varying mm. neck tension, your extreme spreads are just going to be way out. Yeah, it's it just how it is. You're varying pressure curves yep. every time. Yes, which is the same as having powder charge variances. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Neck tension is my main thing that I concentrate on. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't think know if there's a whole lot else to cover off about annealing other than that. If you're just doing hunting ammo, I wouldn't panic is one thing I'd say. Like if you're just no. loading 100 rounds of 708 a year, no. Shit, don't worry about it. Uh, at least, but, but I, no, but at the same time, if you've got the gear set up and I've got the, if, I wouldn't buy a pilot for it, but I have a pilot for it, which works for the AMP, so I might as well because mm-hmm. I just do them all in one go. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know. But it's not worth investing a couple of thousand. No, 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 no. No. I, I think and and there's, there's a few people that do the service kind of saying, hey, if you, yep. you can pay me 25 bucks or 100 or whatever. If you're a hunter and you've got, a, let's say, 100 cases and you've, did, let's say five firings, maybe just anneal it once after that, just to, if you want to extend your case life a little bit, maybe a good idea. I've well, had it's that also, with my two four three as well. But where like Blair, Blair said the best annealer is the one your mate has, which is yeah. also true. You know, and I've yeah. said to people, it's like you come around, I'll set it up, you can sit there and do it. I don't really care. That's fine. Um, I think is it the is it is it Wellington that has the Reloaders Club? There's, there's some, I forget, I think it's Wellington. There's a few cities and stuff where they basically have a, a range and a club and it's the reloaders. And you'll find a lot of them, there is an AMP or an annealer or something turning up mm. in those. So when you join the club, you also get the use of the gear and the ability to pick the brains of the guy who's been doing it ages, you know. So mm. it's something I've thought about a long time for up here in Auckland. It'd be a great thing. It's just like the the modern blokes shed you know but we're all just going to go reload and we can pull the resources for the gear and everything like that so yeah um maybe check for guys who are like that and they're a member of the deer stalkers we'll talk to the boys at the deer stalkers guys anyone here got an amp there might be one floating around that you can all go over a night and get it done they, they yeah. quite often do that with lab radars several places now, yeah. don't they so you can mm. yep. get access to a lab radar which is very yep. handy mm. so which is yeah, uh, that's maybe another game changer as well. Mm. Not a game changer. Uh, is it how old the lab radars? Less than five years. Should I have to look? Mine, mine would have been one of the first in the country because I didn't get it. There wasn't a distributor at that point, and that was that. That was one of those ones. You remember when U Shop U Shop was just changing over and they weren't shipping firearm stuff anymore. NZ Post. Back in the day, when before prior to that, NZ Post and U Shop, you could just send anything through there. And then one day they're like, "Oh, any any gun parts, anything like that, we won't." Well, I was, I had mine sent over when it was happening. So basically, the elaborator got stopped, and they weren't they weren't going to send it, and they were going to destroy it because it was just, "Oh, we won't send it. It's a valid, you know, it's it's going against our terms and conditions." And I had to point out to them, it's like a it's a chronograph, it's a it's a scientific instrument. It's not a gun, it's not a gun part, it's nothing to do with 
What are you going to measure with? Things that go fast. Yeah. Bees. Bees, yeah. What is it? But it doesn't really matter. It's a scientific <laughs> instrument. So, you know, that's it's funny. All the hiccups I've ever had with freighting stuff around or going through customs with a Kestrel, that was also interesting. You're like, what's this? It's a measuring device. What do you measure? Wind? What for? Kites. Kites, Kites. yeah, no. No, this is our rifles. Uh, excuse me for a moment. Wind off, came back. You can go. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. What are you getting? I, I guess one thing I used to be quite obsessed with the radar, but then I've um, been lucky enough to be able to shoot a long way as I need to. Now I just, I just sort of, um, well, play around with weaponized math, which is pretty fun. Mm. Um, but but also I can just run like really coarse dope and then just manually fuck around with the curves and. So like if if I'm like oh, I don't have the radar, it's like I don't care. There's a thousand meters with a really good dirty backstop. Bang! Oh yep, mill low, bring it up. This is what we're getting. Work it out. Like yeah, so it, it was really handy. But the, I've got a little bit more ideas. <laughs> You've got land you can shoot on. Well yeah, and I've, I've figured out uh, how to do it. You know, so yeah, yeah. I can just I can just back backwards engineer it quickly. Yeah, like six five yeah. creamer, right? I could go and buy a six five creamer from the shop, a box of twenty bullets, brand new scope, zeroed in, and like a hundred, and then shoot it straight to a thousand and get it on in good conditions and a couple of shots with mm. say Hyundai yeah. Match. Like that sounds oh that's cocky, but it's not. It's kind of simple because it's it works easy. But and this it's the mile where we shoot the mile, Dirk. It's it's a really good dirt backstop. It's really easy to see hits and misses. So and then I could work that data back, but. Five years ago, I probably couldn't do that, you know. Um, now I can't yeah. say that with every gun because just Creedmoor's got a habit of working across the board, but um, hmm. yeah, so I can make things work other ways. I, I, yeah. I think the cool thing about the radar is if you, if you let's say you on your 300 wind mag and you are shooting ELR and um, there's let's call it a flyer, you're shooting consistently on the plate that you you think is is acceptable and then you maybe shoot one high or one low. If you've got the radar with you, you can at least glance at it and say, okay, the speed is exactly the same. So at least that variable is out of it. Um, what else could it have been? Okay. The wind's maybe picked up or mm. something's yeah. dropped or whatever. But if you've got the radar with you and you shoot one high or one low, you can go, Oh, I can see my, my, my average was whatever, 3000 feet per second. And it's dropped to 3,000 for some reason, that's why I'm low. Yeah, no. And so that's that's least, one thing would be that for low development for me, they've been immeasurably yeah. important for quick load development, doing satellite yeah. tests and and then checking extreme spreads. Um, yeah, during low development, and and then they normally get left at home most of the time. Now, yeah, yeah. but they <laughs> saved me a fortune. It would have paid for itself. And what it saved me in low development, to be honest, you know, your box project dolls was a hundred bucks, pound of powder was was a hundred bucks. Um, so if you can save, some people take some hundred rounds through low development, but a lot of the time I can do it a bit quicker than that, significantly quicker. Mm. So it's actually paid for itself, and and that, and then my and then the six hundred other people who have used it over the last four or five years, so I bought it off Kerry, um, saved them a fortune as well. So yep. yeah, very handy instruments to have. So, but that's an error. But yeah, what what you were saying, Dirk, that's why you see the guys now. They've got the mounts for the magneto speeds off the the chassis rigs and stuff. And there's basically a magneto speed permanently attached to the end of their rifle. 
Mm. And exactly mm. that, they shoot around and it's gone up or down and they're like, okay, well, yeah, there's another variable we can account for visually. I see yeah, some guys yeah. are putting them on little Arca jigs now too. Now there's Arca yeah. rails are common. So just um, no fluffing yeah, that, around with extreme. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be yeah. pretty cool because if you, if you had a range and you've got a radar with you and there's a lot of people shooting around you, it does get quite irritating. I had a guy yeah, I had a guy with a 7 more Remy next to me and I literally had to ask him, I'm like, hey, man, would you mind just sitting the next 10 shots that I'm shooting? Would you mind just sitting that out? Uh, I just want to. I just want to get the speed in. Get the data. Um, And he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, sure." And then third shot. Once again, he pulled. He 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 just let one go, and I'm like, "He's like, oh, I thought you just shooting three shots." I'm like, "Okay, anyway, so you remake it." Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people ask me what I think of the lab radar, and the problem is, I think I, I, now I'm uh, accounting for it. But for a long time, I was like, "Yes, fantastic! Can't think of anything wrong." And then I went down to the local deer store because once took the lab radar with me because I was used to shooting on, you know, by myself, and yep. and realized, oh shit, yeah, this is actually a little bit of a pain, especially when there's mm. dudes like say if a magnum or a break or something like that. You're just like, oh, this is this is not going to work that well. Yeah. So. Yep. It's the only way I'd say where the magneto speed, in yeah. my opinion, outdoes it is the fact that it, it, it's not picking up old yeah. the fud down the road. Um, the magneto speed works better in the wind. Um, other than that, I found the lab radar to be, uh, albeit a, a much nicer unit to use, especially with the Bluetooth capability straight to your telephone. That's um, mm. You can set it up for your mate or even your phone that's sitting right there. All that data streaming, Bluetoothing right to your phone. And you've got a file on your phone with all the curves, everything. And so you can, that's cool. But Mm. it's windy and it starts vibrating in the wind. It just starts picking up like. Yeah, picks up. 1,000 feet per second, 100 feet per second, does all sorts of weird shit. So um, that's the downside to it is is and and other shooters. But other shooters has never been a huge issue for me. But um, I definitely have seen it happen. You're in a special situation. For now, until the police <laughs> take that away. Anyway, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, how you sort of covered bits of it, but is your your process pretty much the same then for your reloading as well? Pretty, yeah. pretty much, pretty much the same. The only thing that I would say, vibratory tumbler. The first first thing, just chuck it in a vibratory tumbler. Yeah. But I don't. I don't deprime and then chuck it in the vibratory tumbler. No. Uh, throw it in there with the primers and I'll clean out the primer pockets later because otherwise those little corn cob bits gets into the primer pocket or the flash hole, basically. And I, I found is, if I do that, terrible. you end up you end up putting it through a um, universal deprimer anyway. To Either you have to get a pin out and do every single one or you, I just put it back through the 550 anyway. So I was just exactly. like, ah, this is like, what the hell? Yeah, uh, I do yeah, want I agree. to get a wet tumbler, something fierce. I've wanted one for a while. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Like people are like, oh, you don't need shiny brass, but I like shiny brass. Not that I have it that often, but I think it's cool. And mm. and albeit they can sit in your primer pockets if you're not careful. But if you pop the pins out, they do clean uh, the primers out. It cleans the primer pockets significantly better than corn cob, which doesn't yep. clean them at all, in my opinion. So again, hopefully not the thing I will add to my ever-growing collection of stuff. Um, I did get the other day, a, finally about three days ago, a, a brass dryer um, in anticipation for this. And because I clean brass for various reasons, and I'm very paranoid about having moisture in the cases. 
because I've done that before, had a bunch of soggy primers, <laughs> jeepers. Um, so, but what I did is because if you notice a lot of like Frankfurt Arsenal um, brass dryers are just rebranded food dehydrators. They're literally yeah. just rebranded. They're not even the Hornady ones as well. Yeah, and they're like three hundred bucks, two hundred fifty bucks. So. I just got a, it's actually a fancy German one, Facebook Marketplace. People buy them thinking they're going to make their own food, a dehydrator. They don't. Um, you know, in lockdowns, everyone's like, man, I'm going to be self-sufficient. We're going to change the world. They don't. You just lock down no, and then go it, back to yeah. being a fucking eco-Nazi. And then, yeah, so you sell all this cool shit you bought for like a, a quarter of the price. So I picked up this thing for 40 bucks. It's like brand new, made in Germany. Um, Round one or the square one? Uh, I've never seen this one. I've seen your photo, but it's cylindrical, yeah. all the layers, um, and you can set it at like thirty-five oh, you'll degrees. Be like dehydrating kale before you know it, mate. Mate, those mm. kale chips. Oof. Yeah, you can put some. You can make some biltong in it. Yeah, we nah. But can you make biltong in them, nah. or is it jerky at that point? Isn't it? It's not <laughs> really jerky. biltong. Biltong, biltong. I make jerky in my. I got a sunbeam. I make jerky in it. It's a pain in the ass. It's a bit of a process. But yeah, you can, you can, there wouldn't be biltong, would it? At that point, yeah, it'd be no, spicy jerky. Be. Biltong's got to be in the sun on it's a. It's going to be terrible. Taste yuck. <laughs> what? Lucky, lucky. Ooh. There's not many South Africans at the shooting and who watch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't mind it. I'm just winding you guys up. But um, but no. The, so you can set it at 35 degrees Celsius. Real yeah, measurements. And then run it so like a nice low temp, right? So it's like a hot summer's day, and it's humidifying the air and drawing it out. So it's great. And I've um, been testing it last few days because I, for my three hundred mag, I clean the lube up post sizing, gently clean it off, so I don't re-ding the necks. And so far, so good. I'm pretty happy actually because yeah, I've always been paranoid, and I, I hate the idea of putting stuff in ovens, um, yeah. in various ways. So um, yeah, so I've done that fast. as well. Mm. There's heaps of them on Facebook Marketplace if um, people want them. So when I just started, oh, geez, all, all of my little mistakes um, coming out tonight. But when I just started um, with my, what was my six more? Uh, 108 ELDMs. Um, and I opened up the box and the box felt like, I wouldn't say the bullets felt greasy, but it was not to feel decreased. If it didn't feel right. So I was like, okay, I'll wash it a little bit. And then. There's an extra BC juice there, mate. That's what uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a 22, this. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, I'll just chuck it in the chuck it in the oven at a really low temp for like <laughs> five minutes. And then I continued brass, brass prepping. And then after about 40 minutes, took them out, ballistic tips were gone. They were like, they're not. They were not even like a copper color anymore. They were like silver almost. And it was two hundred of them. And it was just before all of this shit happened with like <laughs> the shortages. I was just sat there and I was like, "This is terrible." I want to start crying. So it's pretty bad. Don't don't put your stuff in the oven. And if you do, make sure you take it out. Well, the point. Stay there and stare at it. I did. I had a friend over earlier tonight. Um, anyway, um, totally following all the level two protocols, and he 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 does an oven method. But what he said he does because again I'm not a fan of it. He sets it heats it to a certain low temperature. He'll then put his set his brass up in a tray or whatever, turn the oven off, and then insert them so it cools down. 
Mm. Well, that's, so this is why he avoids. Um, it's like a fail safe. Yeah. So and then he, he's obviously figured out how long he needs, and that way he, it doesn't matter. He can get them out the next day. Um, unless his wife preheats the oven for some more food or something, <laughs> well, I guess. But but yeah, and, and that's how he does it. So if you are doing it and you're, it's the only way you can think, maybe that's the way to do it. Is as a cool down method, a heat up cool. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Or just buy a dehumidifier for forty dollars. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like a bad idea. Actually, trouble is now you've got another big stupid thing you got to exactly. put somewhere. Like it's a big <laughs> stupid thing, right? Yeah. Goes next to the juicer and the uh, three magic bullet blenders and all but, the other appliances. Yeah. So now the trouble is, I put it in the kitchen on the island. Well, Kerry's yeah. been to my place on the island. Phoebe told me to fuck it off into the shed. <laughs> she didn't want it in the house. That's <laughs> so in the shed with all my other crap, which is kind of organised, but yeah. That's that's that valid. All right, so uh, yeah, well, I don't know. You're still shooting, although you're back at work now, Graham. What's um, Dirk? You're Wellington, aren't you? Where are the hell are yeah, you guys? Wellington. So little Wellington. two ranges open down there, or what's the deal? Little ranges open um, with or, appropriate precautions, obviously, yes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'll be heading down on Saturday. Um, kind of just want to pull some triggers. Yeah. I don't have anything specific that I want to test. I just want to – I haven't been shooting for, what is it, almost a month. So, yeah, pretty keen. Uh, Shosh, Graham. Shosh. We, um, we, we shot 51 goats last Saturday. Feral goats, not not some poor farmer's goats. Um, yeah, a <laughs> couple blocks, which is good. Um, you guys would have still been level three, I guess. Maybe two. Me. Uh, Dirk, no, Dirk, Dirk. Dirk, maybe me. No, hey, um, uh, yeah. Graham, Graham, you're on mute. We can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh, um, do you want me to mute him? Oh, gosh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, you should. You can vicariously look for me. No, and uh, that's true. And, and then we, yeah, we did a we bit never, of, we, I forgot to put up the video, the uh, uh, ADSR video of you unboxing the 22 ammo as well. I've got. Yeah, forgot to put that up. That was that could have. That did we do that. that? We did do that. Did, was that on live? I did. It, it, no, it wasn't live. It was afterwards. I've got it. I think I've got it somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, <laughs> Graham after dark. Graham after dark. A- ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. Please put your headphones on and listen to the sultry sounds of Graham spilling ammo on his bench. Just tipping it over myself. And then yeah, so we're going to do a little bit more. Um, shooting some goats this weekend. Probably not as many. This was a new block, hence the reasonably high numbers. A friend of mine, um, a work colleague, um, didn't. I asked him, "Do you want me to come in and, you know, do some pest control?" And no, no, no. I like the goats. And then he he, he sent me an email during lockdown. He's like, "Oh, these bloody things are eating all my new pine trees. <laughs> Can you come and come and deal with them?" So we went up there and um, he said, "I think there's about 40. And I said, "Oh, so we shot it, you know, that much, fifty odd, and then." Um, so I rang him up and said, oh, you got a lot more than 40 goats yeah. up at your place. Um, and yeah, so, but it was good fun. Um, same thing. A friend of mine, he'd been locked up till then too. So it was the first chance for him to get out. So, um, yeah. And then this weekend we'll do some more goat shooting, maybe some pigs, uh, the 6555 prep for the 22 shoot. So yeah, plenty of stuff going on here as per normal. Awesome source. So oh, matches oh. coming up. 
22s. So what are so all the matches that? that we know about that's coming up? So we've got your your match, uh, Graham, yeah, which is the weeks. 17th, 18th? 25th. 25th, sorry. Yep. yep. Um, that's yeah, all still yeah. go for now. Um, even uh, and, and the stage... Team. Uh, yeah, at this stage we'll go. Hopefully the Auckland boys, we've got quite a few Auckland boys. Um, hopefully they'll be into level two by then and they can um, come south and infect us all with the uh, <laughs> with, uh, with the Delta with the Delta, which I actually see written on your shirt too. Delta. Oh, it's a scope thing. Um and yeah, and then what else we got after that? We've got we're just yeah. stamping people with it now. Oh, you got Delta. Does that mean you've yeah. been vaccinated? Yeah, that is that is that Positive no, or no. negative? Oh yeah, no, um, not not yet. <laughs> uh, we've got then there's that C, the Central, the Royal Central North Island Club. Yeah, they've got that 22 match. There's Blair's match in um, Omaru, which I might go to. I actually thought it was a month later, but it's a month earlier. So I've got. That's I've the got one with Hardy. Is that that Ben? Is that ben. Ben's Ben's match? Ben the Boundary Club. Creek on Yeah. Match. So that, so so. Something I would say about that is it's pretty cool for, for either South Island and North Island people because it makes it actually worthwhile if you've got a center fire match on a Friday. I think it's it's a it's kind of it's a double hitter. Hey, so it's a Saturday you center fire and then a Sunday 20, 22. So yeah. even if you're in the North Island and you're planning on flying down or something, um, it actually makes that. Obviously, it's a little bit more expensive flying and so on. So it, it, it makes it worthwhile if you've got two matches that you you competing yeah. in. Well, um, I've, I've, day I've already one got day two. I've already got flights and a car that I couldn't get refunded for from the Remarkables match. So yeah, just, I mean it's school holidays, so it's a bit <laughs> hard to find some nice accommodation for me, the wife, and the little one. But there's a reasonable chance I may head down to that if I can make logistics work. Uh, and then mm. then we're not far away from Tarata. Would be the next major match after that, which is a pretty mate one of the biggest Taran- uh, sort of North Island matches each year. So that's yep. going to be pretty cool. Yep. So I'm yeah, keen ho- for that ho- teams match as well. Yeah. Hopefully by then I'll be out of level four. Have actually got the shop, the gun now that's in a new chassis, sorted the load out for the newly uh, neck turned brass, and somehow liaisoned with Matt, who's going to come down with me to shoot the team's match. You'll probably be in level six by then, Kerry. Probably, bro. It yeah. just could be like, fuck it. We're just burning. We're just putting fences up at the Bombays and chopping down the, the yeah. Harbour Bridge and just resolving yourself. You'll look into like Auckland City and you'll see napalm being dropped down the street. Yeah, it was, well, it'll be like like Walking uh, Dead. Daisy and all that stuff. Yeah. It'll be all the big fan, all the zombies in the middle and the rest yeah. of the country is like, what the, that's going on in there? Yeah. So, oh, I'm going to get McDonald's and the road's blocked. What's happening ahead? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's for Pretty your much. own good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, that'll be cool. Oh, you and Matt, I haven't seen Matt for a few years. That'd be no, cool, well, yeah. neither. And he's, he's been, you know, family wife, I think. So he's looking forward to it. So we're going to sort his gun out because I don't I don't even think we ever finalised the load for his 6.5. So that's right. I've got two, which is I, I will start once we're out of lockdown, is um, they're going to do a series of setting those guns up and getting ready for a competition, Ooh, basically. Teams pr- Team prep, team prep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, team prep, uh, but angled from um, beginners' side of it, you know. So mm. I'm not, I won't necessarily go right into the reloading, but it's like, yes, you need to get your rifle to a hundred meter range. Check your zero. Get some data. This is how we're going to get our test data. That's going to be good enough mm. for what we need for the day, you know. So yeah, even you could work. It'd be interesting because you'll be running 
six. So I'll be running, running six, six five. Yeah. But actually, really, inside 700 metres, it's probably going to be a click or two of well, variance. So you could just a, know is, he's plus 0.2 for most things. Or he, This is it. Yeah, for, for I, I, I understand, yes, in an ideal world, you'd shoot exactly the same gun with same load, same data, but it's actually not that different. If if you had a guy who was shooting a Magnum next year and you're shooting a six Creed, maybe? Yeah, you know, that so would be a bit... Simon and I did some mock practice of some stages. Yeah. I think it might even be a video on his page. There is. But um, there is. I was running six, he's running six more Creed. Sorry, I was running six more Creed, he's running 260 Rem, but I'd shoot or something and I'd, because we've been shooting previously well, too, and I'd say on point one, you go point two or something. Like it's... Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So so the match, um, Michael Wilkie and I shot team's match down south. Very, very similar. Um, mm-hmm. He shot a 260 out of six mil Creed and Nero's makes no difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I get the if I get the Minox set up anyway, I'm going to run it with a, um, a printed meterage target turret on it anyway. So it'll be just a case of like, what what is our distance? What is our wind? How much is the wind? Let's talk in miles per hour, meters per second. Is probably going to be our biggest argument. Whether we, well, I'm just going to run meters per second. So I guess Matt can as well. Um, you know, and then so well meters per second. What's our chart say? They're going to be close enough. You could even good. you could even dictate. One guy locating, one guy building dope. Yeah, you could be doing yeah. wind. He could be yeah. like. So then it doesn't matter if you're a meters per second or whatever, because you could go. Yeah, I'm point two, so he's going to be point three. Yeah, you like you know for whatever discrepancy and projectile. And I think I think the biggest thing is is to sit down at some point, either at a range or even at the pub, and go. How are we going to communicate and everything, and not oh, even figuring that not figuring honest, that out. Even the. F- you know, four hour drive down, just yeah. Well, yeah, true, true. Like, man, we are we are measuring from center of target, correct? And he goes, oh, and I always measure from edges. Like, no, no, we need a whatever. We should go center, but it's just because people do the different. They do differently, so yeah, you just, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So well, I'm shooting with Wests. We've got at minimum of two range sessions planned where we actually shoot like a hundred rounds. You know, like just yep. Um, it's yeah, it's um, that's the idea. And I'm shooting. I'm but I'm actually shooting my six five. And here we shoot his six five, and then I'll shoot my six on the Sunday. But with the idea of, and he's now shooting a mill scope, so we've he was shooting him away, but we've made a few plans to because that'd be a freaking disaster. That is that critical. Be yeah, I'd be that, like, I'd be like one. dial six, and he'd be like, man, I'm way fucking low. I'm like, oh no, six mil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I, I can see. Yeah, uh, the reality is between a six five and a six, you're point one, point two out mill. But holy no, not wouldn't even play the Mills MOA. That would drive me balmy. I just oh, didn't, I, mean, I, I tell everyone to put a put the unit at the end of any statement they make, but I still don't myself. I'm gonna say point two. Come yeah. point two. Yeah. If, so, if I had to go mill and MOA in a teens match, I would probably start talking in plates and go half plate, yeah. full plate. Because yeah. yeah. that's the only way. I wouldn't go clicks or whatever. But, I mean you could even make, you could even be working his dope for him off. Because ideally you charts is probably the smarter way to do things. Yeah. Um you mm. could be formulating his dope potentially however you run your team, you know. Um or just put yeah. your chart and his chart next to each other so you print it out. Mm. Or, or kind of put your chart in MOA and his so and your chart in mill so that when you let's say you're holding point five then at, at least you can see what is 0.5 in MOA talk. Then you can or, say, yeah, right, or then he'll carry will be like, oh, okay, I need a, I need 25 mil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have 25 mil. <laughs> oh, why am He's I... like, holy shit. I have... oh. 
Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's because he's read, he read minutes anyway. Oh uh, yeah, that's okay. right. We're, but we've run Matt's run mills for Yonks anyway. Yeah, so, so it's, it's fine. Not, it's fine. Not, not an issue. So yeah. So yeah. So but looking forward to that. That'll be good. I've been out uh, for a comp for a while. Torada every year is the one event I try and get to every single year. So um, you know, could be the, the yeah. The, it's going to be good. It'll be shoot for this year. So awesome. Um, yeah, the only other thing I've got to do is give KRG an award for the most biggest ridiculous sticker ever included in a bit of Holy equipment. shit. Is that enough? No. I thought there was a new number plate for your truck. I know. I like. I was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, you know, they, they give you – I've had these before because I run, you know, the, the the lifts and Hardy Boy sticker. But then I'm like – I'm not that. I'm sorry. I'd love to, but that's not going on the truck. It's a little bit too much commitment, even for me. And I have some, you know, stickers mm. on the truck, but that's. So I don't know. That'll go on the case for the labrador probably because I don't tend to put them on my hard case for the gun either, because I don't need stickers on my gun case saying "Hi, I'm a gun." Um, yeah, but the labrador case is all good. So yeah, it's it's very very good, very good sticker. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is a big one. Uh, that's 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 what she said. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, next week, I don't know. What do we do next week? Lads, uh, if you're listening in, hit us up with... Um, no, I don't have any Section 22 stickers, Blair. I, somebody's been lacking and sending me stickers. I've got some um, Anyway, uh, lads, if you're listening in uh, either live or in the podcast, hit us up with uh, subjects and uh, we will find something to talk about next week. Hopefully, we've all been out for at least a shoot at that point. Uh, no promises on my part, but hopefully. So if we get if we get to three or two or something where I can get out on the Tuesday, then I'll be out on the Wednesday, I imagine. So. Cool. All right. Thank you, Sweet. Dirk. Thank you, Graham. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. See you.